Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. For up-to-date information and ways to get involved, please visit us at classiccity.org. We are doing a series which we're calling, uh, we're naming it Your Sphere. And we're getting that from a word that is in the New Testament that is translated household. The Greek word is called oikios. Again, it's often translated household, and if we read it on the surface, we might just think it means your immediate family, because when you and I say the word household, that's what we mean. But in those days, your household was your whole broad sphere of life. It's, it's where you worked, it was where you played, it was where you were educated, it was the whole broad sphere of life. Everybody had a, an oikos, where they just experienced the entirety of life. And so when that word's used, that's what it means. When Paul says, for instance, in Philippians chapter 4, at the very end of the chapter, he says, those from Caesar's household. He talks about how he is, there are people from Caesar's household who had come to Christ. Well, he didn't mean Caesar's uh, children. He just meant people that were in the sphere in which Caesar roamed and existed and lived. Um, when the day of Pentecost is being preached and the apostles preach, and Peter says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and all their household. This is what he means. He said, hey, if you get saved, you're, you're also going to affect and impact the people in your broad world, the people around you. And so we're taking this word oikos, it's translated household, and trying to get sort of more of a modern rendition of what it would mean to you and I. And we're going to use the word sphere. It means a social sphere. It means a sphere and where your life happens, where it exists, where you live, where you work, where you recreate, within those spheres, this is what we're talking about um, uh, today. So we're talking about your sphere. And last week, we looked at two passages uh, from Thessalonians and one from the book of Ephesians where Paul wrote. And Paul talked about something very cool and very neat that's true of every human being and true of the people that he was talking to and the believers he was talking to 2,000 years ago, and it's true of us today. And he said that God, one thing he prayed is that God may count you worthy of your calling. In other words, that God may say, you were worth it. And he does that by fulfilling by his power every desire God has for goodness and the work of faith. That there are things God wants to do in your life and in my life that he's going to bring about by his power. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talked about how we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared before time that we should walk in them. And it simply means you are crafted, you are specifically formed in a certain way to make a certain impact and to do certain things. And God thought those things up before you were ever here. It's a pretty awesome thought. That is, and, and we, we have this phrase that we developed last week, and I want to just drive it through this whole series. I hope you'll never forget it. But you and I, we will discover why we are. As God uses who we are and what we are to reach where we are. And last week we focused on the why. God uses why you are. You discover why you are as God uses who you are and what you are to reach where we are. And this week we want to talk about the who, who we are. 
who we are that God uses. And there's a, there's a verse, in, and we read it from our inspiration. It's, it's in Matthew chapter 5. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching and he's teaching here. And uh, a very famous part of Scripture, which quoted a lot this entire sermon. And he st- says in verse 13, and I'll reread it, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then he says in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, and so they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, Jesus there is talking to a crowd of people that were following him. And he describes them in two ways. He says, you know, guys, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Now, what does he mean when he says you are the salt of the earth? And what that speaks to is the moral quality, the moral content of our lives. It means that we as Christians, we as believers, uh, have an obligation. We are, there's an expectation that we will demonstrate a certain level of moral consistency, of moral integrity in our life. That there's a congruence between what we say we believe and what we actually do. The, the word for that, the word integrity, has got a really interesting uh, picture behind it. And literally what it means, it means to set a marble or a round ball on a table, and that, ta- that ball won't roll. And the idea behind it, it meant that this side of the table, these legs, and these legs are identical. If, if the legs on a table are identical, you put a ball in the middle of it, it won't rule, roll. It's not slanted one way. And it basically is saying integrity is what you see is what you get. You really are what you say you are. You are the same person privately as you are publicly. There's a congruence between what you believe and what you do. You know, if I were to... Uh, go to a room and it was the thermostat was set to a certain temperature say it was set to 72 but then I look at a thermometer and the thermometer says the room is 90 degrees what will we conclude something is wrong This heater is broken. And what Jesus is saying here is basically the same thing. Hey, you're the salt of the earth. You you, you dictate the temperature of the room. And if your setting, if your beliefs, if what you profess is one thing, but what's actually coming out is something different, he said that that's not going to work. You're the salt of the earth. You can't live that way. So as believers, there's got to be a consistency in our life. There has to be a commitment to integrity. And we're not going to be perfect, and we're not going to be uh, flawless, but we can be consistent. We can be authentic. And we can really stand up for what we believe. And Jesus is saying it. You're the salt of the earth. And then he turns around, and he says, you're also something else. You're the light of the world. And the way he describes being the light of the world, he says, you know, look, you don't light a lamp 
and then put a bowl over it. You don't light a lamp and put it under a table where it's covered up. No, you, you put a lamp where it's, where it's up high, where it can be displayed, so it gives light to the room. And he said, this is how you want to live your life. Live your life that people can, that, that it's demonstrative, that it's where people are. Back in those days, there was a religious movement in Jesus' day called the Hessenes. And there are people that were very committed to being holy. And they were so committed to being holy that they got away from the society. They, got, they went off in, in mountains and caves and they just stayed away from everybody. And they read the Bible all the time. And they talked about how to actually be even more and more moral and stay away from this corrupt world. And Jesus is saying, no, I don't want you living like that. I want you in the world. I want you around people. I want your light to shine among men that they may see it. They may see it. And so Jesus is saying, this is who you and I are. We are the salt. We are the light in the world. And, and there, is, there is no one more important to a company, to a team, to a neighborhood, to a community than the people who are following Christ. Nothing more important. I don't care who you are. You are the light, and you're the salt. You're what God is planning in that community, to be the light, to be the salt, to be that. Then he goes on here, and look at chapter 13 of Matthew. Again, I want to take this thought a little more. Matthew chapter 13, this thought of who we are. And look at verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. This is what the kingdom of God is like in the context of how it spreads, of how it impacts, of how it affects what, what it's involved with and where it's found. He said it's like a woman back in those days who would take a little piece of dough that was leavened and they would take it and they'd put it into 60 pounds of dough. And they would work it and they would knead it and they would do whatever. And eventually, the, the whole, whole lump of dough would become leaven. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this process. Anybody here familiar with, with dough and leaven and how it works? You ever seen dough rise? You know that phenomenon? Anybody heard of dough rising? Oh, here's what would happen back in those days. Leaven was rotten dough. And when you were making bread that you wanted to rise and be leavened, you would take some rotting dough and you would put it away in a container or whatever. And when you had your unleavened fresh dough, you would take that rotting dough, that what they called leavened dough, and you'd take a, just a handful of it and you would put it in the regular dough. And you would work it and you would spread it around. And because that leavened dough was rotting, it had bacteria in it. And as that bacteria got in with the bigger, bigger thing of dough, it would just spread. It would slowly spread. It would go all over. And if you worked it and if you moved it around to where it could, you know, one, the, the leaven would get all over the place, you just let it go. And what would happen is leaven gets in there and spreads. It basically eats the dough that's there, and then it expels gas. It eats it up, and then it expels gas. And as it does that, it causes the dough to rise. 
Then when they take it and they bake the bread, the gas hits the heat and it really fluffs up and the bacteria dies. Now, I know knowing that means you probably won't get a sandwich after church. But, but that's what happens. But, but the idea Jesus is saying is what goes on in bread, the way it's leavened, is what's going to go on in my kingdom. This is how it spreads. This is how something very small, very innocuous, can make an impact way beyond uh, its capabilities. It's because of this process. It gets involved, and it grows, and it spreads. It, it's, it's similar to what we do here. We have a thing of water. We take food dye. And what happens? The dye just gets in there, and it slowly does what? It moves around. We can mix it, I think. We can mix it. And what eventually happens? This clear water becomes like the dye. You notice what didn't happen? The dye didn't become like the water. No, the water becomes like the dye. And this is a, this is a visualization that Jesus is trying to say here of what our lives can look like. That there are spheres of our life. It could be your classroom if you're a student. It could be your fraternity, your sorority, the team you play on, um, whatever. For, for those of us that are not students, where we live, our neighborhoods, where we work, where our kids play, our recreate, our circles of friends, this is what it can look like. Is that God wants to get his kingdom in there, in, in the areas where you're involved, where it, those areas become more like you, not you more like it. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, and think about this. Think about what are the spheres of your life. Where you work. Where you play. Where you go to class. Your activities with your kids. The, the, the social groups you have. This is what God's will is. Is that we look like this. This happened in our lives. That we, we penetrate and that we, we go forward like that. I remember several years ago when I first became a Christian. I was 13 years old. And I went to high school here. And I had seven, eight friends, real close friends. We all grew up together, did everything together. And we were all bad, like really bad. And as I became a Christian, I began to pray for my friends. And slowly over time, a few of them came to Christ while in high school. Three of them did. A couple more out of high school, into college. A couple more later. You know today, every one of them are believers. They follow Jesus. They're walking with him. I've seen this happen in families. I've seen families that were absolute messes, chaotic, and a, a, one of the children gets, comes to Christ. And this begins to happen in their family. They begin to be salt. And they begin to be light. And they begin to live it. And suddenly another family member gets influenced, comes to faith in Christ. And then another. And then another. And I've seen, I have, you've seen just waves of generational evil 
absolutely stopped when one person in that family came to Christ and they were committed to making the family like them, not letting them become like the family. I remember when we were first married, my wife and I, we, I, was, I was doing some ministry and, and had met a guy who was on the football team, a guy named Mike. And I got to know him, began to do some ministry with him. And God began to put, a heart on, put it on my heart to reach that football team and make an impact there. And I thought, who, me? I was like, you got to be kidding. And began to reach him. And then through him, we reached a guy named Lamont. And then through him, I reached a guy named Chuck. And this young man named Chuck got so on fire for the Lord. And he began to do Bible studies and reach his teammates. We literally at one time had 40 of his teammates every week at Bible studies. Every week, somebody coming to Christ. I remember Lisa, my, my wife, had a, met a girl in our uh, Bible study who was a gymnast and began to disciple that girl and work with her. And that girl began to reach her friends, her gym dog friends. And again, one after another, after another, after another. I've seen it happen in fraternities. I've seen it happen in neighborhoods. I've seen it happen all over again when this miracle, this dynamic of the kingdom of God starts working, powerful things start happening over and over and over again. I remember when I was in Atlanta, there was a friend of mine, our, our worship leader. He had hired a sound person uh, who was really good, and he came to Christ through our uh, meeting we had there. And we got to meet him and found out that he learned sound while doing it at the most prominent strip club in Atlanta. Don't ask me how I know it was the most prominent. I just have heard that. Just trust me. But I just, but that's what I'd heard, you know. But it, it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And he actually had met his wife, who was their accountant, and was there. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting, you know. And and so they both, and he led her to Christ. And then they started reaching the girls. They started reaching a, a huge alternative band back in the time called Seven Dust. My friend Mark was doing a Bible study literally, with strippers and rock stars. I've seen this happen over and over again. Over and over again. And it is, it is such a powerful thing to see God use you like that. And, and I want every one of you to, to, to get this. God wants to do this in your life. It's fantastic. He wants to do it in your dorm students. He wants to do it in your fraternity, your ball team. He wants to do it in our neighborhoods. He wants to do it where we work. He wants to do this. And so I want to get real practical here. How do we, how do we make this happen? Well, here's a tool that I want to share with you. We, we, we brought this out at the beginning of the year. I know it's been a wild year, so we haven't been able to follow up with anything. But um, this is something that we did. And it's just a simple bookmark that we begin to pass out in our church. What we want to ask everybody to do is to really write on this bookmark people that are in your sphere. Identify who is in my sphere. Who has God brought into my world that I can be the salt and light to? 
Who's he brought into my world? You don't have to go chasing around and you know, looking all over. It, there literally are plenty of people in your world. You live with people. You live around people. You, you, you go to school with people. You go work out with people. Whatever you do, there are people. And it's just asking God, who are on my, who do you put on my heart? And this is what's involved in mixing. Number one is just identifying. Just identify. Second thing to do is to pray. Pray for these people. I do this almost every day. I have about, I have a, when, when I think of somebody, God puts somebody in my heart. I write them on here. I have them in my, on my desk at my office, and I just pray for them. I'll pick them up and just pray for them. Pray for them. Here's the third thing is serve them. You want to reach people, serve them. You want to reach the people around you, serve them. Lay down your life for them. Do something for them. Serve them. Their thing is just to invest in them. Invest in the friendship. You don't have to try to convert everybody. Just invest in the friendship. And the last thing is to share the gospel with them as God gives you opportunities. Share your story. Share something. Just begin to introduce it to people. But this is how the kingdom of God spreads dramatically and profoundly and powerfully. As we, as the salt of the earth, the light of the world, don't hide our light under a bushel. We don't hide it under a, a, under a, a barrel. But we get with our world. We get in our oikos. We get in our sphere of influence and we begin to penetrate it and we begin to change it rather than let it change us and powerful things will happen i want to encourage you man i I don't i don't care who you are i don't care where you're you're living i don't care this is what your spheres can look like they can look like you they can be impacted by what's impacted you I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Um, it, it, is, it is a powerful thing. And I want to encourage you to do that, to seek the Lord about how to, how to make that happen. We're going to have several of these bookmarks uh, that are there in the back if you want to grab one on the way out. We'll keep peddling them <laughs> during this whole series this month. But I want to encourage you to do that. Begin to identify. Begin to pray. Begin to serve. Begin to invest in people and begin to share with them. And watch God do something very, very powerful with you in your world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this picture and this illustration that you've given us of how your kingdom spreads. That it is like a little bit of leaven that gets mixed into 60 pounds of dough. And the woman that put it in there mixes it and kneads it and works it and makes and gets it to where it moves all throughout the dough and then it begins to do its thing. It begins to come alive and cause the dough to rise. And Lord, we thank you that that's what you are in our life. You're like that woman. And you're taking us and you're planting us in certain spheres, certain arenas of life, where we live, where we play, 
where we work. And you're working it. And, and by, by putting it on our hearts to pray, by giving us opportunities to serve and to invest in people and to share, we pray we'd see this dynamic miracle that happens in dough happen in our lives, in our spheres. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.